open your Bibles. We're going to go all the way to Revelation. And uh, I'm doing this because in light, like I said this morning, it, it's on my heart and mind. I know it's on a lot of you guys' hearts and minds as you see the day approaching and, and seeing things change and uh, watching the TV can almost be like reading your Bibles in a sense as you're just seeing this prophecy unfold. And when you start pointing it out and stuff, it's really exciting. It, it's scary just because of the respects that we've heard this for years and then just seeing these things unfold before our eyes is, is quite amazing. But what I want to do tonight is I, I want to use an illustration and talk through something exciting. This isn't doom and gloom. It's, it's not the judgment seat of Christ. It's not the end of the world. I, I am on Memorial Day weekend when tons of people are traveling it out and, and I, I know how it is. And uh, for the, those that are here to be able to gather tonight, I'm speaking to the heart of the church. A lot of people that are saved, born again, love God. This is for us. And uh, what we're talking about is the wedding. You guys are going to a wedding. And the exciting part is you are the bride of Christ. And a lot of people hear that illustration in scripture, but they don't understand it. As for understanding that this was one giant picture that Christ illustrated. And he said... All of your life, you're around weddings, you're invited to weddings, you're pulled into this illustration of life, of two people being wed on a stage or in a yard or wherever that uh, takes place. But the illustration is something that we understand. Uniting with somebody that we love and from death to us part, from there and on out, having all of eternity to enjoy, to fellowship, to grow, that's what it is. This illustration is not in reverse. A lot of times we look down and God, we, we have this mindset that God says, here, let me, let me give you an illustration. You know that thing you guys do of, what do you call that, a, a wedding? Oh yeah, it's kind of like that. No, God created the wedding and he gave us the living example every day of our life as the illustration. We get to live the illustration. He's the originator of it. And uh, I, I've done, physically, I've done a lot of weddings. I've been on this very stage right here and seen it. And uh, they can be stressful, they can be complicated, they can be giant headaches. And uh, if anybody has been in those things, the one thing the family usually says, I can't wait for this to be over because of the details surrounding that. When I meet with couples, one of the first things they say is they sit there and say, Pastor Tony, just so you know, we're going to keep this very simple. And every time we meet, it's escalated into something else. It never stays simple. Why? Uh, I, I blame Pinterest for a lot of this. Everybody gets on there and goes, oh, we could do this. And all these uh, bride shows that they have on TV and everything like that and it grows into this. And uh, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I look at um, my wedding and, and sometimes things don't go the way that you wish that, that it would have gone. I, I tell couples all the time when I meet with them, I said, listen, I'll tell you what, if the cake falls over, if your best man passes out, you know, uh, it, no matter all these illustrations of all these bad things that could happen, at the end of the day, you're going to say, I do. You're going to say, I do. You're going to be married. It's over. I, I, I mean, it doesn't matter if the centerpieces don't match or if the cake. Is, all those things that we get wrapped up in. But then there's my wedding. I, there are certain aspects of it that you, you practice every aspect of a wedding. Okay, I mean, you come up here, you're going to stand here and stand here. There was only one part of the wedding that we did not rehearse and practice. You may kiss the bride. We did not practice that. And I remember and will be reminded for the rest of my life that I messed that part up. Now, 
I can't believe I'm telling you guys all this because you're going to be, you know, snickering. You're going to think of me as the, the, the one that blew it. But anyways, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on, on, this, on this young guy that, that grew up in this very strict conservative home and all of a sudden say, all right, this is how we're going to wrap things up. You're going to get on that stage in front of your pastor and mom and dad and all these other people, and then we're going to put you on display to kiss this girl. You don't think that's a little pressure? So here I am, and I'm, I'm standing on this stage, and I'm nervous as all get out, and he turns, and, and I know this is coming, and I'm sitting there going, you know, and, and now I see these guys, I, I'm almost turning red as they sit there and swoop them down and, you know, yeah, and I'm like, okay, okay, I almost have to cut it off. It's, and, and I'm st- standing up there, and he says, Tony, you may now kiss your bride. And no joke, I'm standing just like this, and I just lean forward, no joke. I lean forward, just pecked her on the, uh, on the lips, and lean straight back, and then turn completely red. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this. <laughs> I, I didn't know, and everybody was like, that was some kiss, man, and everything, and I was just like, what did I do? And now here it is. Every wedding we go to, my wife will sit there and go, that kiss was better than our kiss. I said, I know, just put it for the record. <laughs> the guy could pass out on the stage, and it would be better than our kiss, okay? I get it. It was horrible. I messed up. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I froze. <sighs> but there's so many aspects of the wedding and God said, let me tell you, the, the joy, the excitement, the anticipation, standing there and, and for the joy that I have of having a guy and a girl and stand there and, and hold hands and look into each other's eyes. And, and I mean, and, and, and literally tears of joy as they say these vows. And, 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 and I get to hear and do some of the stuff that some of you guys don't get to do is I'm up there and they're doing the whispers and and, and, and they sneak off to the side and they're, they're doing that part of it and they start praying and, and they're pouring their hearts into each other. I mean, and I'm holding back the tears and it's, it's awesome. Let me tell you, it should be awesome. It should be the most exciting part of our life besides our salvation, of course, the joy of the Lord. But then when we get into this, we understand why. See, the Bible gives us a lot of visuals, illustrations, just because he said, I want you to get it. Do you understand none of this was supposed to be complicated where we stand there and go, I just don't get this. When it comes to the love of God for us, he put it on a level where he just said, guys, I want you to get it. I, I want you to read it and I want you to fall in love with me and, and I, I want you to know every detail. And this, um, this past week, I, I've had a lockbox in my house that I had, for whatever reason, I stored all of Jenny's letters that she wrote to me through our entire dating thing. And I mean, I've got hundreds of these letters that we sent each other in college all the way back to like our first letter that we ever shared all the way till while we were engaged and married. And I, and I opened it up and, and I'm just reading through there and it's just crazy. A while back, I did that. And the letter that I was reading was written on the same day of, I mean, the same calendar day of what I was doing. It was just kind of God saying, let me remind you of how incredible the gift is that I gave you. But I can tell you this, when I got done reading that letter, it sunk to my heart, and I wasn't confused about what she was trying to say. She wrote it to me on a level for me to understand how much she loves me. And then I read this, and and God says, I'm going to write you a love story. 
And I'm going to do this because I want my people to know how much I love them. And how much I anticipate the day that we'll be together. I'm going to be turning to a lot of passages because I'm going to walk you through the wedding. Is what I'm going to do. I'm I'm going to walk you through the wedding that Christ is illustrating and I'm going to demonstrate this, and, and they'll keep up with on, on the screen. But if you guys want to turn to Revelation 19, and we'll look at verse 7. And then I'm going to bounce around and explain this. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready. Let's pray. Lord, as we dive into this, Lord, help us to walk out just totally in love with you. Lord, we are reading a love story. And Lord, I know that there are so many names that we have titled our relationship with you as our master, our God, our provider, our father, Lord, our judge. There's so many aspects. But Lord, when we look at this, we see that the outpouring of your love, the closeness the intimacy, the, 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 the love that you have for us. And Lord, it ought to break our hearts to see how much this meant to you and how you intended this relationship to be. Lord, help us to enjoy this time as we just read the love letter from the one that loves us most. We pray this in your name. Amen. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 2, he explains and he says and he taught them many things by parables you guys know that there's a lot of cool definitions parables are a heavenly teaching or doctrine or whatever with an earthly application that he takes something here whether it was the the fig tree or he marriage or the sower and the reaper and things like that But later, Mark 4, verse 10, he took it a step closer or further with the disciples. And he said, let me break this down. And they were like, Lord, what is the meaning of this parable? And when Jesus was alone, they that were with about him with the twelve asked him of the parable. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they may hear. And, and not understanding, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven of them. Jesus was saying, guys, here, here's my goal. He said, I'm going to sit down and I'm, I'm going to pick up the child on my lap. I, I'm going to go to that widow. I'm going to sit on the side of the hill to, uh, and I'm going to let them know my story. And the thing is, God could have shot way over their heads, blown them away and said, man, he must be the son of God. Nobody has knowledge like that or nobody could teach in that way. But that's not what he did. Jesus sat down and he said, guys, if you want to know the secret of this, put it on their level. When they walk away, they know what you were talking about. You realize that the guy that is saying this is the one that created DNA and created the atom. You don't think he could have blown their mind with, you know, going into the the detail and the intricacies of life and all these other things. Yes, he could have. But Jesus said, here's my goal. My goal is to connect with them. I tell you, every teacher here... Don't walk into the group that you walk in to teach and try to blow them away with your knowledge. I've always thought, if you're preaching and your points are so complicated, people need a dictionary to keep up with you, we're, we're not doing our job. And Jesus was the master teacher of explaining this. But this is another example. This is what this is. It's another picture or story or an illustration. So let's walk through this. And you think about this. 
just, just how many applications this has. You think about what the Bible says about, um, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, the words of the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all of them that love his appearing. The Bible says he's coming back for us. And he said, let me put it like this. There is a bride, and I'll tell you, that bride is anxiously awaiting that day. Honestly, most brides and grooms, they, they have the countdown that you can walk up and tell them the day. And he said, you know what, that's, that's the way that I want it to be. I want my people to be excited. And I'll tell you, I love church, I love outreach, I love the programs, I love VBS, I love all that. But let's not lose sight of why we do what we do. We do what we do because we love him. And he loves us. He did what he did for us because he loved us and he came to show it. Through all that we do, we do because we love God. If love ever becomes not your motivation for your ministry, then you've lost the purpose of your ministry. He was motivated by his love. We anticipate him because we're excited about seeing his return. You go in the preparations of a marriage, working for that day, preparing every detail, putting your life and heart into it. Then the groom preparing a home for the bride. When Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, I'm going to come again for you. I'm going to receive you unto myself. See, usually we present this one-sided. Do you know the side that we present? Oh, I can't wait for God to come home. I can't wait to see his face. I can't wait. When I, when I get to heaven, the one thing that I'm going to say is we're Jesus and I'm going to run to Jesus. Have you ever thought through everything that we're studying that he is anticipated and excited about seeing you as much as you are about seeing him? I'm taking it right from what he is saying about him, the the groom coming back for his bride. We look at it as the judge coming back to judge his people. No, the, the, the groom anticipating the wedding day of coming through saying, I can't wait the same day that, that we stand on the stage and wait for those doors to open and, and then the groom's face lights up and can't wait for that moment. Do you realize that that's our God? Our God is excited to be with us. You know why we don't get that? Because I look at myself and think, why? I let him down. I make mistakes. Why would he want me so much? But that's where we understand his amazing, agape, unconditional love for us. All of this was an illustration. So let me walk you through this. First of all, we look at the bride is the church. The bride is the church. And in Ephesians, we're reading about these relationships. And probably every lesson that I've ever presented to a, a class on marriage, I've started with this. Ephesians 5.25, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Now, now he drew the comparison there and gave himself for it. But go, notice verse 26, that he may sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present to himself a glorious church. That he may present to himself a glorious bride. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that they should be holy without blemish. We are washed in the blood of the Christ made clean that we could walk before his presence wearing white. You say there's, there's nothing about that. That's, that's what makes it so awesome. You're right. That dress that the bride wears when we come before the groom is his righteousness that he's wrapped around us. Guys, without all of that, no wonder it is called the marriage of the Lamb. We're coming to the one that has paid everything that we could be adorned walking through the door wearing white. It's what he's done for us. 
Long before the ceremony, the bride began to prepare himself. I want want you guys to make application of this as we walk through it and think of us. Because right now is the time that we're preparing ourselves. We've already got the engagement. We don't know the time. We know one day that it's going to be the time where he calls us home. We know that. We know that the ceremony will take place. We know that that will last forever and nothing can ever change that. But in the meantime, we've got this preparation that we have. Not preparing for ourselves to be accepted, just to clear the air. You're already accepted. Don't try to earn the right to walk down the aisle. The price has already been paid for you to walk down the aisle and come to his presence. But Revelation 19, verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife, have noticed, hath made herself ready. Christ does not prepare the bride for himself she prepares herself for the groom. I, I, I love to watch the excitement. I've been in this very spot right here, usually somewhere in this spot. And a lot of people turn and they're watching down the aisle to watch the bride come in, which rightly so. I mean, it, it, it is her day. But you know what I love to do is I, as I'm standing on that stage, I love to turn and watch them. I think Richard Hartman has... One of his wedding pictures is me sitting there staring at him as I'm watching him uh, cry like a baby as his wife came in. That's, 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 that just shows you're a real man right there. <clears throat> but I love the, the, the look of pride, the joy, the excitement, the wow, she's so beautiful. And the, the words that they say, and I've said to him, she ought to be. That's a thousand dollar dress, dude. <laughs> she, she ought to look good. It took her six hours to get ready. I mean, there, there, she's... She's done everything to prepare herself for that moment of walking through that door. Matter of fact, she's dreamed of that day of walking in and presenting herself to the groom. But then you think, we are the bride of Christ. Same way I would be very concerned about a bride that thought it was no big deal to walk through that door to present herself to that groom. Think it was no big deal if there was no preparation. And you were, I'm going right off of Revelation when they said they prepared themselves. See, everywhere we read in Scripture, as he left, he said, guys, I'm going, but I'm going to prepare. Now go and serve and glorify God. That's what we're doing. We're preparing what? The church. This is the bride of Christ. All of us. You think, what are we preparing? I mean, how how do we we adorn ourselves anymore? No, we build the bride of Christ. We reach the lost. We glorify his name. We teach. We preach. We labor. We do what he said to do. When he left us and said, do the work of him. We serve the Lord as he builds the church. But we make ready the bride. You know what for? To please him. I, I, I've never heard of a bride walking through the door, sitting there thinking, he hates this dress, but I'm going to get it anyways. And no, no, nobody does that. Their excitement is the fact that I, I want to present myself in such a way that's going to make them happy. 2 Timothy 2.4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Do you know why? That he may please him that have chosen him to be a good soldier. That, that's our motive. I want to please him that has called me to do this. Matthew 25.23, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee a ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But let me tell you, while we wait, making application this, while we wait, 
We've got a few jobs to do of serving, bringing glory to God, honoring, pleasing Him, drawing close, the prayers, all those things. But it goes a step further. He also talks about the commitment that we have to our God. The commitment that we have to our God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, 2, don't forget this, as I'm talking to the bride of Christ. As I'm talking to the people that sit there and say, one day the Lord's coming, he said, right, I will come back, I will take you. But in the meantime, will you keep this in mind? For I am a jealous, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present to you a chaste virgin to Christ. Do you realize the intensity of what Christ is getting into? He said, guys, I have, I have preserved you, I have saved you unto one thing. Jesus said, unto myself. I, uh, I have not saved you for you to run out to the world. It's just a matter of the same illustration that we have from the book of Hosea that was redeemed and kept running back to the world. God said, no, I have preserved you, I have saved you for one thing for me. If we were to get into the subject right now, I promise you I, w- I would make headlines if I got up here today and said, guys, I'm going to... Uh, announce something that's going to make you uncomfortable, but there's an affair going on in the church. And I'm going to list them out right now of who's involved in that. I mean, I promise you we'd all be sweating under the collar and feeling uncomfortable. And there's so much shame and embarrassment and everything that comes with something like that. Why? Because somebody that loved somebody and said till death do his part, I love you, you're my only, you're my everything, has now stepped out and stuck the other person in the back. And we look at that and say, man, that's just horrible. It is. There's nothing more uncomfortable. There's nothing more destructive. There's nothing more hurtful than an affair. Then we get into the James chapter 4. And he said, ye adulterers and adulteresses, talking to us. Know ye not that your friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Don't forget that our God is a jealous God. And God says, I died for you. I loved you. I've given you everything. God says, I've committed. I've sealed my love in your heart. I've given you the seal of the Holy Spirit. I've done everything. And he said, I promise I'm coming back for you. You'll be my bride and we'll live forever there. And he said, the only thing is occupy, serve me till I come back for you. And when God sees the fact that, yeah, we we come to church on Sunday. Lord, I love you and you're my everything. And man, I can't wait to see you. And then we turn around and we're flirting with the world. And it's it's that, that illustration that he's talking about, that flirting with the world. It's a friendship with the world. It's not a matter of just cheating, but God says, do you realize in my eyes, and I, I, I promise you, I've done a lot of counseling. You have two people and say, well, nothing's ever happened. It's never gone anywhere. And she turns with tears in her eyes and said, listen, when your affection is going toward that girl, then you did cheat on me. I'm supposed to be the one. I'm the one that is dedicated my life. Why would you do that to me? You say, hey, that's right. I, I'd say for that in a minute. And God turns around and says, wait a minute. That was my illustration with you. That's my illustration with the church. For this idea that we'll go to Sunday and we'll raise our hands and worship this day. And then we'll go to the world and flirt with everything that he saved us from is not okay with God. And we wonder why the relationship gets rough. We wonder why the blessings seed. We wonder why all these things begin to fall apart. We sit there and God says, you know why? 
because your friendship with the world will not be tolerated by God. Matter of fact, he didn't just call it flirting. He said, you have a friendship with the world. A friendship. He said, you've joined up with them. You've made friends. You've drawn close. Man, and this society, I promise you, I know things are changing. And I know little by little by little, we have gotten away from this. And the thing is, a lot of the things that people say, well, that's old school. Let me tell you, there's some things that is just Bible. It's not old school. It's just right and wrong. And when the church starts getting away, just saying that's so old-fashioned, I promise you, if it comes out of here, it's relevant for today. It's not something to be labeled as old-fashioned. And the more and more that we start ignoring these things and just saying, oh, those, the, the way they used to preach and the things that they used to do and the way they used to talk is just archaic and irrelevant, those very things are the things that are hurting our nation today and hurting our young people and our next generation and hurting our marriages and everything else because we've gotten away from what God said was right and wrong. It's not up to us to say. And God says, turn around and he says, you, you cannot. He, God says, let me tell you, in the relationship that we have when I'm coming back, the thing that I've asked you to do is remain faithful to me and remember that I am a jealous God. That ought to make you feel good. He's jealous for you. It ought to make you feel good to know that when you're out in the world, it's, it's breaking his heart. He's not just the righteous judge that says that I'll bring judgment down on you. No, he's the loving groom that sits there and says, no, we're supposed to be together. Why would you do that? Our groom, our God is a jealous God. In Exodus 34 verse 14, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. People turn around and say, it's my life, I'll do what I want. No, it's not. Your life does not belong to you. I'll tell you, anybody that's ever been in my premarital counseling, I, I, I take him to Corinthians and say, let me show you something very clear. Your life now belongs to her, and his life now belongs to her. No, you know what I meant. <laughs> it's just a matter of the fact that God sits at us and says, you realize that when I died on the cross, I purchased you for myself. The groom is Christ. And we see this point where he enters in for the bride when it is time. In Revelation 19, 7, the phrasing there is the marriage of the lamb is come. The marriage, his appointed time, the marriage of the lamb. It's not the marriage of the bride, but the marriage of the lamb. In weddings, we often count down. I, I, I do this. I, I go from uh, all the little doors where I know everybody's changing, getting ready. And I knock on there and say, guys, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. And we, we, we want to be on that time. Let me tell you, right now, we're, we're counting down, and I, I do believe it's close. I don't know how close, and I know preachers have been saying that for years. But I can imagine God preparing, knowing that the time is close for us. We see all the things, and that's what I was preaching about the poor but this morning, is how he says, when you see these things, know that the time is near. He wanted us to know when it's near. And at that time, I, I, you sit there and that, that groom is just sitting there staring, waiting, 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 waiting. And at that point, I usually give the cue and whatever. And I just tell the bride, I say, you walk through the door when you are ready. And that door opens up at that time and that wedding is started. And the Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians four sixteen: For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of our archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. 
The ceremony begins with him stepping on the stage. But then the second part is the bride comes up to meet him. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I love this part. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The presentation of the bride. Uniting with the groom. In Revelation 19.8, the Bible describes the bridal ground the bridal ground gown, sorry, I knew what I was saying. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And I thought about how cool this is, that the Bible would even take it and say, let me tell you about this. And I'd imagine God looking in the heart of the people that have been out in the world and messed up and living their life in, in every thing that he said not to do and every law that we've ever broken and all those things that happen. God says, well, let me tell you, when you come before me, your past is gone, your, your, your sins are forgiven. You are completely arrayed in the righteousness. You see, at that point, when we present ourselves in the white linen of his righteousness, we come pure and holy. God's not looking down at us going, what a mess or what a wreck. He's already done the cleansing, the changing, the, 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 the complete renovation of our life to, so that we can be presented as a glorious church. That is the part that he's done all the work for. You'll never have to sh- hang your head in shame as we stand before God. There is no guilt. There will be no past sins or shame or addictions or whatever that will follow us down the aisle as we come united with our God. And following the wedding ceremony, there is a supper or a banquet Revelation 19, 9, and he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which call unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. These dinners and whatever, you're thinking, why would we have to eat? I mean, you think about it. We have the glorified bodies. We're with God. All these things are there. I think this was just God's way of presenting the thing of the celebration that we have won. The victory is there. The feast of the Old Testament and all the different things that he's done was always there out of celebration of what's been accomplished. We carry on this tradition even today with a wedding reception after the joyous time and the commitment is there. We carry it on as a celebration. And then comes the honeymoon. The Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 20 verse 6 about the thousand years. You talk about a honeymoon, thousand years. Blessed and holy is he that have part in the first resurrection, on such, the, on such the second death have no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. This is a whole other subject that we could get into, but what this rolls into is God saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reestablish what the devil has corrupted all these years. The lion with the lamb, us with God, the fellowship, the friendship, the the celebration for a thousand years with our God. And after the honeymoon, the groom takes the bride home that he's prepared. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. We wrap things up with God saying, you know what? I take my bride home. Place her in that place prepared for her. You know what the beauty of that is? It is forever. I know there's a lot of negative. 
And we look in the world, we, we talk about the judgments, we talk about hell, we preach all those things, but isn't it a blessing to know that those things will all be behind us? Gone. The heartaches, the frustrations, the, the, the burdens, cancer, hospitals, all that stuff behind us. You know, I just thought, if, if, if we have this life to live for our God, then we should be serving God and anticipating the coming of God. It should not be dreaded. I, I, I mean, you think, of, have you ever gotten a, around a bride and said, man, it's only two days until you get wedding, uh, married, and they're like, yeah, I know. I, and you're not going to find that. And if you ever do find that, I promise you, there's something wrong in that situation. It's not right. Neither should the bride of Christ act like we are defeated when we know that we are being prepared for that wedding day when God calls us home. We have so much to be thankful for and to celebrate Every, every time we gather together and we sing, Christians should be just praising the name of God for all that we have because we've already won. This is just a ceremony that we have to look forward to to celebrate the victory that God has given us.